0: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com/slash metaverse impact. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Formerly known as the Locker Room app, guys, Spotify Green Room is a live, audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and use, talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app, start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games, and of course, I host a weekly show every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on the Spotify Green Room. The Bears Talk Underground presents Club Thirty Four Seven. Be sure and join me. Come through and talk with me live. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS or Android app store. Create a profile, link to your Twitter, and join into the group. Follow me to be notified when my room goes live. And, of course, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, is when Club 34-7 uh, hits the air. So be sure to join in on the fun, guys. You don't want to miss it. And be sure to follow me on the, uh, on the app so that you'll know any time that I go live because uh, we'll be doing watch parties during the preseason. We'll be doing uh, knee-jerk reactions during halftime uh, during the season and things like that. Lots to do. This app opens up so many possibilities for interaction between me and you my loyal audience so be sure and download the spotify green room app wherever you get your apps (laughs) what's up guys it's time for the deep dive preview the very first one of 2021 i'm recording this just after the bucks and the cowboys kicked off the season what an outstanding game uh, those two teams put on was very impressed with the cowboys and um, you know like i told um Jake Ellenbogen yesterday, uh, one game does not a season make. So I don't want to go out ahead and say that the Cowboys are back and that they're going to be the team to beat in the NFC Easter or anything like that. They're going to have to do that a a few more times uh, before I'll believe that the Cowboys are back and that they are for real. All I know is that I was super appreciative that they made a game out of it because the NFL has a tendency of these week one matchups uh, for the Super Bowl champs to kind of throw, throw them a bone so that they can uh, show out in front of their home fans. And, uh, you know, <laughs> that almost backfired on them last night because the Cowboys came to play. But uh, Brady and company pulled one last one uh, out and, uh, you know, were able to uh, put together uh, a victory. But a hell of a way to start off the season. And I hope it's indicative of the kind of football we'll see this year, like what it looks like when your team has an offseason and a full training camp to get ready for the year, because uh, those teams look pretty sharp uh, last night. So um, or tonight, I should say. So uh, anyway, enough about other teams. Let's talk about our guys and what it's going to take for them to get ready and for them to be able to pull off a miracle of their own uh on Sunday night uh against the LA Rams. So let's go ahead and get started. This is the deep dive week 1 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Hang up We are just a couple of days away by the time you guys listen into this little over 48 hours before our beloved Chicago Bears take the field for the first time in 2021 and start their 2021 campaign against the L.A. Rams. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. Back, the first deep dive preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. And uh, as we just talked about uh, last night, a, a great uh, introduction uh, to the 2021 season with a uh an outstanding game like from start to finish uh with the bucks and the uh, and the cowboys so um you know looking forward to to sunday uh to see what else uh, you know if if everybody else is up to play or uh and whatnot um week one i used to run a picks league uh back in the day and week one was always the hardest week to pick because you would have your upsets or, or what would be construed as upsets because we all go into week one looking through the lens of the previous season so you would think that the six and ten cowboys would go into the defending world champion buccaneers and get housed by the champions but that's not what happened the buccaneers uh, were about a, a minute 20 away from losing uh, the 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 season opener with the whole world watching uh, when the Cowboys kicked a field goal to take a one point lead, uh, you know, late in the fourth quarter uh, yesterday, and you would other, I mean, you know, you like my favorite story to tell about the Bears kicking the crap out of the Cowboys back in '96. You would think that the Bears were legit, and they finished six and 10, 7 and nine that year. They were anything but uh, legit uh, that year. It happens all the time. Uh, You know, and it would just be like people would make. And the other thing was it was a confidence league as well. So you would have to give your pick a point value. And almost always you'd run into trouble with your highest point values because you're like, oh, yeah, Titans and Eagles. That's Titans all the way. And I'm going to put all 16 points on that. And then the Eagles would beat the Titans and you're screwed because you just missed a bit. You just lost out on a big chunk of your of your point total for the week. Uh, kind of thing. Week one was always the hardest week to pick because like I said, we're looking at it through the lens of last season and this is a brand new year and a lot of us learned that uh, the hard way. It was very rare that somebody was like, oh yeah, there were 16 games this week. Somebody went 14 and two or something like that. It was always like the person with the best record for the week went like nine and seven, 10 and six, maybe uh, kind of thing just because week one can be such a crapshoot sometimes. And whether it's because it's a brand new season and there are, uh, you know, different players and different coaches and, you know, different chemistry and the teams are just going to be, you know, we're going to be different teams and a different outcome is expected. Or one team was just more ready to play than the other, regardless of how their season turns out, like the Jaguars beating the Colts at home last year to go 0-15 for the rest of the year and not win another game. Uh, you know, for the rest of the season. So it's week one was always the toughest week to pick. And also uh, week 17, which would be week 18 this year when, you know, guys for the most part were phoning it in, playoff teams were benching everybody to get ready for the playoffs and things like that. Week one and the season finale were always the toughest weeks to pick because you didn't really know what you were going to get. But um, I'm hoping that we get something like that on Sunday. And, you know, I'm trying to keep a level head about it if the Bears win uh, on Sunday. I totally believe that they can. It's, uh, you know, and you guys have heard me say this for years. Can the Bears win this game on Sunday? Yes, they absolutely can. They can actually go into L.A. on Sunday night and kick the crap out of the Rams. Will they, though? I don't know. I mean, can they? Yes, absolutely. Like I told Jake yesterday, um... I expect the Rams to win this game. I believe on paper they're the better team. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that and, and something new I'm adding to the show this year. It's uh, how, how do we stack up kind of thing. It's basically, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're going... Uh, pos- Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. edu slash podcast position by position with the matchup not in depth but like quarterbacks running backs wide receivers and so on uh we'll talk about that in a little bit but um you know on paper I think the Rams have the better team um and they're at home it's you know all that kind of stuff it just uh I think they're 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 well you know we talked about it and Ross Jackson and I when we did the conference Preview episodes back at the end of July, just before training camp, both he and I independently chose the Rams to go to the Super Bowl. So we both believe that right here, right now, that the Rams look like the class um, of the NFC. So when it all comes down to it, you know, in a game where with against the Bears, who are probably going to be a middle-of-the-road team this season, um, you know, they're not going to be able to win the game. So, (laughs) but can they win? Absolutely, they can. Will they? I don't think so. Um, I will, but I won't be surprised if they do. I really don't. I do believe we have a talented team. Um, I just think that we, you know, have some deficits in some places where the Rams are just better than us. And that's going to decide the factor in the game. I'm also basing this on what we've seen from Matt Nagy led squads in the past. What we need to do to win this, like when we talk about keys to the game at the end of the show, what do the Bears need to do in order to win? I don't know because I, well, I mean, I don't know that we can because I haven't seen us do what I think the Bears need to do in order to win this game. So, or at least I haven't seen us do it on a consistent basis. I also haven't seen us do it against a really good football team. So we'll talk about that towards the end of the show when we get to keys to the game. But, um, so, those are my early thoughts on the game and, and what's coming up on, on Sunday or what I expect to see. Let's go ahead and dive in and start off with news and notes. And then we'll talk about how we stack up before we get to... Keys to the game. Okay. <laughs> News and notes for the week one preview of the Bears Talk Underground. And uh, we'll start things off with uh, the Bears released another uh, 1920 football drive episode uh, on YouTube. It's about 20, 21 minutes uh, long, I think, about as that. And basically, it summarizes from like week two of the preseason through final cuts. And, um, you know, it just kind of glosses. Over that, and every now and then we see a because we go through like all three cuts in the video, from ninety to eighty five, from eighty five to eighty, and then eighty to fifty three, and all of them feature the you know position coaches in a room, uh, the the scouts and coaches in a room with with Nagy and and Pace sitting at the head of the table, talking about um, you know saying things about players but not saying who. They're talking about It's like, oh, this young man, I wish everybody in the room had this kid's intensity and uh, blah, blah, blah. He's improved here. He's done this, and, you know, he's good on special teams uh, and so on and so forth, but they don't tell us who they're talking about. Um, And then we see highlights from the game, uh, you know, from Buffalo. Then we see uh, the Tennessee game, and then we're going through final cuts. Um, We also got to go see... uh, it was uh, David Montgomery and Darnell Mooney were out bowling with each other, and apparently they have this bet that the loser has to do 10 push-ups on command wherever the winner says he has to do them. And Darnell Mooney ended up doing it. And uh, the way that, that it, I think it was Montgomery that explained that if you um, you get 10 push-ups and you, you can be in a meeting room, you can be in practice, you can be out in the street someplace and tell them, I need three push-ups right now, you have to drop and give him three push-ups. And you can spread that out however long you want, but you only get ten push-ups. So you got to basically keep up with the math. And we saw Mooney, Mooney won the bowling match and uh, ordered uh, Montgomery to give him two push-ups right there in the bowling alley. So uh, I don't know when that was filmed, but uh, as of that moment, uh, Monty owes uh, Darnell Mooney eight push-ups. So we'll, uh, that was uh, pretty interesting. But um, I guess the real highlight of the video was at the end where Pace and Nagy kind of did the opposite of that meeting that you see on Hard Knocks over and over again. As a matter of fact, we didn't really actually see it on Hard Knocks this year. What the Cowboys did uh, in Hard Knocks this year, instead of individual players coming in and talking to the coaches and finding out their fate individually, they gathered up Basically, if you got a phone call to come into the Star, which is an a lights-out facility, by the way, an unbelievable place that they have down there uh, in Texas. Um, if you got called into the Star, that was not a good thing. That meant you were going to be cut or released or, or what have you. So they gathered everybody up in the meeting room and like told them, in, like in a blanket thing, you're all being let go today. Some of you will be released. Some of you will be put on waivers but everybody in this room we want everybody back on the practice squad so there was like a silver lining to the whole thing it's like yes you didn't make the team or no you didn't make the team um or actually as the as the narrator in, uh put it in the show there's making the team and then there's making the rosters like basically everybody here has made the team but you're not on the 53 man roster we want all of you back uh in the practice squad and, and all that kind of stuff maybe they maybe they just edited it out or whatever they did with the other guys that didn't make the practice squad. Cause they had to go from 80 down to 53. So that means 27 guys got cut. You get 16 men on your playoffs on your, uh, excuse me, practice squad. So that means there were 11 guys that went home empty handed completely. You know, their fate is left up to the football gods and so on. But, um, Instead of, you know, get us watching a bunch of videos or, you know, clips of people getting bad news, Ryan Payson and, and uh, Matt Nagy went the opposite way, and we got to see Caleb Johnson and Jesper Horsted find out that they made the 53-man roster, and you, <laughs> you could see poor Jesper Horsted was kind of freaking out because this is his third year with the Bears, and he is uh, it's kind of sitting there... Um, you know, he's been on the roster, you know, he has been on the active roster with the Bears, but he's never made the roster before. He's always been cut at the end of camp and then added to the practice squad and then for whatever reason was added to the active roster later, some point during the season. He is starting the year on the on the, on the the main roster this year, and you can kind of see in his face can, you know, um, uh, pace is going on and on about, you know, we... We love your development, and we're, we're, we're happy with where you're at, and we're proud of you, and, and blah, blah, blah. And then the thing turns, and he's like, but we also, you know, like we always see that, you know, the, the, there's always bad news, and we don't do this enough, so this is going to be a time where we deliver good news. Congratulations. You're on the 53-man roster, and you see the 180. I mean, even Jesper Horst is like the total 180. I was not expecting, you know, that's why you called me in here uh, kind of thing. And, um, you know, it was a pretty cool moment. And then Caleb Johnson, the linebacker, was the only, the only undrafted free agent that made the team this year, which is, I think, kind of weird for the Bears. There's usually a couple of guys that end up making the team. But uh, this year, Caleb Johnson was the only one. Uh, probably more for his special teams but he did play very well on defense. He recovered a fumble. He was around the ball a lot so it, like somebody this could, we could definitely get some use uh, out of him. He makes the the roster and I don't know if he was later cut and then added back on cuz the Bears have done quite a made a few roster moves since then to uh to tweak the uh to tweak the roster because remember we we only started with four DBs then we added you know two almost immediately and and all that kind of stuff so I don't know if Caleb Johnson is still on the fifty three man roster but uh, that was what they decided to to show so you know it was an interesting you know little bit that they that they showed a very condensed version of what you would see uh, in Hard Knocks I mean they even threw in like the you know, the, the the human interest thing with Monty and, and Mooney going bowling with each other and, uh, and things like that. And um, it also is kind of frustrating to like, you know, I want to see more of this. I would like to see what the Bears would look like in a hard knocks situation. You know, I'd like to see, you know, whatever rookie or undrafted free agent we signed have to go through his little journey of whether or not he's going to make the team and, and how that looks and uh, and all that kind of stuff, and it, the only reason I can think that they wouldn't do that is um, basically, be, A, because they can make videos like this, and B, they are in total control uh, of those videos. I don't know how much editorial say the teams have over what HBO puts out on Hard Knocks, but it's uh, you know probably not as extensive as they would probably like it to be, but Um, you know, as long as the bears keep making the playoffs, they're not eligible to be on hard knocks. So it's not going to be a, uh, factor like they could have been a a hard knocks team in 2020 because they didn't have a coaching change and they also didn't go to the playoffs. So there's that, but, uh, anyway, so I thought it was an interesting video. Uh, I enjoyed watching it. Um, moving on turns out that uh at the beginning of the offseason um you know there was talk of when Matt Stafford was traded to the Rams that he was kind of in he was in Cabo in in Mexico with uh or and Sean McVay was also down there which kind of seemed fortuitous or you know whatever and a big reason why the trade went through because Stafford and um McVay were hanging out and you know the match made in heaven, and so on and so forth. Well, it turns out that two other head coaches were also in Cabo at the same time that the trade was made. One of which was Kyle Shanahan, which I think has been was known a while, was been known for a while. The other one was Matt Nagy. Now we don't know if that's just a coincidence, and that Cabo is a hot spot when you know coaches and whatnot go on vacation after the season uh, is over or was Nagy out there because, you know, I think it's just evidence that the Bears were serious about making a move to get Matt Stafford, uh, which would have been really weird to add Stafford to the team after playing against him for the last 10, 11 uh, seasons. But, um, you know, it's just an interesting little tidbit to know that, uh, you know, it, but it also kind of adds to the thing that I've been talking about all offseason season about how it's been somewhat embarrassing uh, or it was embarrassing during the offseason all of these different quarterbacks whether they were available uh, because they were free agents or you know available via trade and and all that kind of stuff the Bears were tied to literally anyone that wasn't anchored down you know from Stafford to even Roethlisberger and uh, you know all the you know Wentz and and Russell Wilson obviously, and and Gardner Minshew and uh, Derek Carr and 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 all the rest of it. You you guys know you've heard me belly aching about it, and we've all read the headlines and all that kind of stuff. Who the Bears are interested in now, uh, and so on and and so forth. It just kind of adds to the fact that you know maybe Russell Wilson was always the first choice, but you know. He was down there in Cabo the same time that the trade went down, same as uh, Kyle Shanahan and the actual winner of the sweepstakes, Sean McVay. So, uh, you know, it just looks like the Bears were – were. The, well, I think what's what makes it bad is that it, it actually looks desperate, you know, to know that that was happening. Cabby, uh, you know, Nagy's down there in Cabo in case the trade goes through. Um, you know, then we're in on Russell Wilson, the, the talks about Carson Wentz, which turned out to be um, – lie but uh you know everything else is like you know desperate trying to find the the, settle up the quarterback position it's like you get it you understand why they were in a desperate situation but at the same time to look that desperate is problem is is troublesome because whoever you're trying to make a deal with knows you need to make a deal and is going to uh bend you over a barrel and show you the 50 states on that one so it's just uh you know, it's it's not a good situation. But thankfully, uh, it all worked out, and we got our guy in Justin Fields. Speaking of which, Justin Fields, along with Mac Jones, one of the hottest-selling jerseys in the NFL right now. Didn't say who was number one or who was number two or, or anything like that. All they know is that the rookie QBs' jerseys are flying off the shelves uh, at the moment, so not a big surprise because um, – I fully anticipate Justin Fields being a superstar in the NFL, which would be a great benefit to us as Bear fans to not have to worry about the quarterback position for the next, I don't know, 10, 15 years Uh, at least, you know, because Rodgers has been with the Packers 16 years now. Favre was with the Packers for 16 years and, uh, and whatnot. You know, he made his debut in Green Bay in 1992, which was 29 years ago. Uh, and, uh, you know, the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers has been a problem for us since then. So I would very much like to look forward to 30 years from now talking about how Justin Fields folded into whatever quarterback we get after him, and we've been terrorizing the Packers for the last three decades, and boo-hoo-hoo, don't they feel awful about it kind of thing. So um, not exactly, uh, you know... (laughs) Not exactly sad if things go sideways for Green Bay or if, you know, Rogers has one more good year in Green Bay and then goes off to wherever it is he's going to play next year and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's, it's come time for the Bears to have that guy, you know, to have the, the, the star quarterback come from the Chicago Bears would be an amazing thing. And speaking of jerseys, I'm just all about the transitions today. The Bears released the jersey schedule for 2021 yesterday. Or tonight, I should say. It was today. And, um, well, we're going to be seeing a lot of Navy out there. Because week one against the Rams, they are wearing white. So that means the Bears are Navy, even on the road. Home next week for the Bengals, Navy. On the road week three to Cleveland, they're going to make us wear the uh, home jerseys so we're going to be wearing navy again then week four at home against the lions navy week five on the road in oakland or excuse me in las vegas actually playing the raiders in that new uh in the spaceship out there in uh in, um or the i think they call it the death star such a cool name for a stadium um we're going to be wearing white for the first time so the prettiest uniforms in football we finally get to wear them against the raiders then week six at home against Green Bay, we're going to be wearing those 1930 throwbacks with the um, the three stripes almost looking like Michigan, basically. Then week seven on the road at Tampa Bay, back in the Navy jerseys, because the Bucks for the most part, wear white at home, uh, like they did last night. Week eight at home for the, I want to say it's the 49ers. Let me look at that. Yeah, 49ers wearing the Navy. White jerseys for week nine on the road at Pittsburgh. That's a Monday night game, I believe. Uh, Yeah, it is. Then we got the week 10 bye. And then at home for the Ravens, wearing the Navy jerseys. Week 12, Thanksgiving, we'll be on the road wearing white against the Lions. Then week 13. I was going through these, kind of flipping through them one at a time, thinking I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet. Are we not doing it this year? Are we not doing it then? week 13? Of course, it's week 13. Orange jerseys at home against the Cardinals. So we almost made it. We we made it through two-thirds of the season without seeing those goddamn eyesores of jerseys. And thankfully, because there is a God in heaven, I tell you, we only have to see him once this year. We had to suffer through them twice last year. We lost both games, by the way, for those of you keeping score. We lost both the games in those stupid-ass jerseys to the, um, to the Vikings and the Colts last year. And uh, this year, um, when Kyler Murray comes to town December 5th, we'll be wearing the orange jerseys. So, yeah. But that's only the only time, the one time that I have to sit there and watch the Chicago Pumpkins play against somebody. I hate those goddamn jerseys. Week 14 on the road to Green Bay, we're wearing white. Then week 15 at home against the Vikings, wearing the classic 1930s um, throwbacks again. We have a very good record in those uniforms, by the way. So I'm encouraged to see that week 15, when the Vikings come to town, we're wearing the jerseys that we can't seem to lose in. Then uh, day after Christmas on the road in Seattle, we're playing the, the obviously playing the Seahawks. That's who plays in Seattle um wearing the whites and then home for the season finale or the home finale against the giants wearing the navies and then on the road at minnesota at the end of the season surprise surprise wearing the whites against the vikings so the um bullet points there lots of navy to start off the year because home teams will be wearing white probably because of the weather so we're the visitors we get stuck with that kind of thing and uh Lots of, I think we don't, we don't wear white jerseys until week five. Um, we wear the throwbacks week six and week 15. And then, of course, the orange jerseys. Week number 13, which is poetic that it's week 13 because I hate them. And 13's an unlucky number. So, yeah, there you go. So that's the jersey schedule for 2021. And then finally, we'll go through the, uh, through the injury report here. Because, um, you know, the uh, the names or the powers that be wanted to scare us all to death uh, earlier this week by announcing that Eddie Goldman was on the, well, hasn't been practicing because of an undisclosed injury, which kind of led everyone to think that it was serious, that this was going to be some kind of issue, and just kind of punctuate the the offseason that Eddie Goldman has had or the, the preseason if you will cuz he spent the whole offseason leaving us all hanging uh, and maybe it's karma because of that but he left us all hanging on whether or not he was coming back one statement one tweet one you know uh instagram you know story or whatever would have put it all to bed but he waited literally until the day he showed up to camp in in late august to you know confirm that he was in fact coming back this year Um, and then of course he, he had like a a back injury to start things off. Uh, then he catches COVID, uh, comes back and he, he, he looks like a stud against Tennessee in the final preseason game. But now, uh, this past Monday, he tweaked a knee in practice and he's also nursing an ankle injury. So he hasn't practiced yet since, you know, basically like the official week of practice starts on Wednesday because Monday is going to be like a film and treatment day starting next week after the Bears play their first game against the Rams. Monday is like a film and treatment day. Tuesday is their day off. And then Wednesday, you get ready for the week ahead. And uh, since Wednesday started, which is basically the Monday for NFL teams, um, Eddie Goldman has not practiced yet, nursing those knee and ankle injuries. And I'm not going to talk about the people that are on here and are at full participation. It's just... I don't know why they're on the list to begin with. Maybe it's the Bears just being diligent uh, about things. But if you're full participation, you shouldn't be on the injury list. So we'll just go with the limited guys and the guys that were out. Uh, so we'll start with Eddie Goldman. Knee and ankle has not practiced yet. We'll see what happens on Friday and and what that is for his outcome. But you heard me mention on the show yesterday Um, I know it was preseason, but I really liked very much what I saw from Kyrus Tonga, our seventh round pick out of BYU uh, in the preseason. So he may not be Eddie Goldman special with his pass rushing abilities or whatever, but he's a plug up the middle, which was something that we missed desperately last year in helping us defend the run. The Rams like to run the ball so he could come in very handy this Sunday if Eddie Goldman can't go. Uh, Jimmy Graham got, like, a Veterans Day off on Wednesday. He was full go on Thursday, so no big deal there. Um, Joel Iyebuniwe was limited with a shoulder injury. Khalil Mack, and here's this going again. It's limited with a groin injury. Fantastic. Darnell Mooney and Robert Quinn were both limited with back injuries, but I did see on Twitter yesterday that, or today, I should say, um... Nagy uh, is not concerned with the availability of, uh, of Quinn, Mooney, or Mac for Sunday's game. It's Goldman that's uh, quote-unquote day-to-day. So uh, we'll have to play the wait-and-see game on Eddie Goldman to find out um, what's going on there, or what his true fate for Sunday will be. But it's, nobody's pounding the drum about this being a significant injury where he's going to miss weeks and weeks. Uh, or, or anything like that, but then again we 've been burned like that before, haven 't we, bear fans we're being told the whole time that Tevin Jenkins' back injury wasn 't a big deal until he had surgery that 's going to knock him out until November so uh yeah we 've heard it all before, so we 're back to the wait and see game with Eddie Goldman waiting to see if he 'll play on Sunday, waiting to see what his practice status is for today or tomorrow on Friday to um you know, to see whether or not he's going to be able to play. Um, but uh, again, you know, I, I want Eddie Goldman out there, and I dare I say we need him out there, but I think we're better suited to go without him this time with uh, With Kairos Tonga. Uh, the, the kid's a load in the middle, man. I just remember watching that Bills game, and granted, uh, you know, they were still scoring touchdowns, but you're seeing Kairos Tonga playing on the Bills side of the line of scrimmage. It wasn't because of him that those plays, you know, ended up being scores. It was everybody else around him not getting it done because he was definitely kicking some ass. So um, anyway, that is your news and notes. Going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. Then we're going to come back with how we stack up and the keys to the game. (coughs) This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Formerly known as the Locker Room app, guys, Spotify Green Room is a live, audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and use. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. Start or join ongoing conversations. Watch games together. React to the biggest news, rumors, and games. And, of course, I host a weekly show every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on the Spotify Green Room. The Bears Talk Underground presents Club 34-7. Be sure and join me. Come through and talk with me live. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS or Android App Store. Create a profile, link to your Twitter, and join into the group. Follow me to be notified when my room goes live. And, of course, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, is when Club 34-7 uh, hits the air. So be sure to join in on the fun, guys. You don't want to miss it. And be sure to follow me on the, uh, on the app so that you'll know anytime that I go live because uh, we'll be doing watch parties during the preseason. We'll be doing uh, knee-jerk reactions during halftime uh, during the season and things like that. Lots to do. This app opens up so many possibilities for interaction between me and you, my loyal audience. So be sure and download the Spotify Green Room app wherever you get your apps. <laughs> little something new we're going to try on the show this year in these deep dive uh, preview episodes, calling it how we stack up. Basically, we're going to compare our beloved to our opponent uh, by position group and, you know, see what it looks like at the end and, and see if that will tell us what our odds of coming away with the victory are on Sunday. So um, we'll start with the quarterbacks. And, you know, it's it's a tough call to make. I think overall the Rams are better at the position. They do have the edge, especially when it comes to the starters. Matt Stafford versus uh, Andy Dalton. Um, Justin Fields definitely... Stacks the deck as far as the quote unquote backups uh, are concerned, but you heard uh, Jake Ellenbogen talk about their their backup quarterbacks and and things like that. So I think overall we got to give that position to the Rams. The running back situation, I give that to the Bears because I, I love Damian Williams. I love obviously David Montgomery. I and I was really impressed with Khalil Herbert, and that's even before a few weeks from now or about six seven weeks from now before we get to add um, Tariq Cohen back to the uh, list it's an impressive running running back room that we have and while the um, the Rams are nothing to sneeze at they have Sony Michelle who didn't work out in um, in New England but is a good football player uh, and the other uh, you know Henderson they have at running back and things like you heard Jake Allen speak glowingly of of him I think overall we have the the, the edge at running back uh, uh, you know, for the bears wide receivers, I'm giving to the Rams. Um, you know, we have Mooney, we have, uh, Allen Robinson, but the Rams have, uh, Robert Woods. We have, they have Cooper cup. They have Deshaun Jackson, who's looking to, you know, have one last great run, uh, in, uh, you know, in the league before he, uh, the hangs it up and, and, the other depth players that they have, I think, are just slightly better than what we have. And, you know, with with Marquise Goodwin, he hasn't played football since 2019. And, uh, you know, Demir Bird is is more of a specialist, uh, you know, was was more of a kick returner kind of guy as opposed to being someone relied on to catch passes. So I give the push or the the point to the Rams on that one. Tight ends, I'm going to go with a push because they lost Gerald Everett. Um, they still have uh, Tyler Higbee. But uh, you know, and the Bears have Cole Komet, who I think is on the on the uprise. Jimmy Graham, despite the the ire and the hatred that he gets from Bear fans because we overpaid uh, for him for the most part, uh, is still one of the best weapons in the red zone in the entire league. I mean, the guy led the team in touchdown receptions last year, and almost all but like one or two were red zone situation. Uh, touchdowns he's still a threat down there he could still be a weapon for us and you know that's who the bears look to in that situation they use that six seven, two 270 pound frame when they're down uh in the end zone they just put put it up for him let him box him out come down with the football more times than not jimmy graham won that battle uh last year so um you know, but I'm going to give it a push because the Rams have excellent tight ends, and I do think that the Bears are better at tight end than most people give us credit for. So I'm going to take a push there. Offensive line, I got to give that one to the Rams. Uh, you know, with Whitworth and 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 all the guys that they have, it's just a a more cohesive unit. Number one, these guys have played together. They they they're maybe a little bit reshuffled, but they're it's a it's a good unit that has played together before, and the Bears the Bears are hopefully this is a unit that will win that will start to win these battles as we go through the season when they have a chance to play together but you have Jason Peters who's going into year 18 uh, of his NFL career and has spent the majority of the last five season missing chunks of seasons with injuries um, you know Cody Whitehair he's a solid bet Sam Mustafer. Played well last season. Did not do all that great in the preseason. James Daniels is back from the uh, pec injury that cost him, uh, and the injury that he was dealing with during the preseason and training camp uh, as well. And then you have Jermaine Speedy. It's like across the board, we're decent. And I also think the Bears have a better unit up front than most people give us credit for. It's just that a we haven't seen these guys play together yet. And B, we, you know, we haven't seen them play well. So uh, the offensive line was a problem for the Bears in the preseason. Granted, almost none of these guys are going to be playing on Sunday night. But uh, it is what it it was, what it was. But uh, I'm going to have to go with the Rams. They're more of the tried and true. They're tested and uh, they've been able to do it. Defensive line. It's this is an interesting argument because Aaron Donald would be enough to basically push any uh, unit over the top. It's just that after Aaron Donald, it's not as good as the Bears. You know, we, you have Eddie Goldman, whether or not he plays on Sunday, but without Eddie Goldman, you still have um, you still have Akeem Hicks. You still have Bilal Nichols. You have our other uh, depth pieces, the Kyrus Tonga, who I've been singing the praises of. Uh, you know, for the, for whatever. And I think that's what kind of balances it out to a push on the defensive line. So Aaron Donald gives the Rams a huge advantage, but everyone else around him, he doesn't have an Akeem Hicks and a Bilal Nichols on the other side. If they did, Holy hell, watch out for that uh, defensive line. Uh, It's, it's Aaron Donald and then everybody else. And granted Donald is an absolute beast and he will need all three of our interior linemen to keep him blocked and it's up to our tackles to to make sure that the that the defensive ends and the outside linebackers uh don't uh don't get after him like that. But whew, it could be tough. It could be tough. But um, you know, I'm gonna give that a push based on uh we've got a solid defensive line uh as well. And and you know, the presence of Eddie Goldman almost gives the Bears an advantage. Uh, but for now I'm gonna give a push on the defensive line linebackers i give to the bears from our outside linebackers to our interior guys i just believe we have the better unit uh, across the board um you know the rams that uh, you know had the best defense in the nfl uh last year ranked number one but uh we have khalil mack we have roquan smith we have alec ogletree who is revitalizing his career so far in uh in chicago uh, we have, you know, Kristen Jones is back. We have uh, that, you know, that Caleb Johnson kid uh, as well. And if Robert Quinn can wake up, he's technically an outside linebacker. If uh, if he can have a, uh, a renaissance of a season, then uh, that really pushes us over the top. So I definitely give the uh, linebacker position to the Bears. DBs I give to the Rams. That's kind of a... Um, Aaron Donald defensive line thing they have Jalen Ramsey and that trumps everything that we have uh in our secondary Jalen Johnson is an up-and-comer uh for sure uh but it's like it gets pretty pretty chippy after that you know Kindleville door okay great um you know Thomas Graham Jr. didn't make the team he's on the practice squad uh and things like that it's uh you know Eddie Jackson if we're talking about 2018-2019 Eddie Jackson that pushes the Bears over the top in my opinion but Eddie Jackson, you know, couldn't tackle a tackling dummy this last two seasons, So, or excuse me, 2017, 2018, Eddie Jackson. 2019 and 2020, Eddie Jackson, not so impressive. Um, But, uh, you know, so I I still give it to the the Rams on that one and mostly because Jalen Ramsey is an elite, uh, you know, generational kind of uh, corner and he plays for the other guys. Special teams, I gave a push on the special teams. I think we have the advantage at kicker because the Rams let Zerline run off to uh, Dallas. Uh, They have the better punter with Johnny Hecker. And then our our specialist. we don't really know who that's going to be right now. I know who who we had out there returning kicks in the um, preseason, but uh, I think we were just mostly auditioning guys uh, out there. So anyway, that's how we stack up. Uh, the final score on that one is the Rams won four, the Bears won two, the running back and linebacker positions, which is, yeah, I mean, we run the ball and we play defense, so that makes sense. Uh, and we had three pushes. So if you give a half a point to each team for the push, the Rams are the Rams win the matchup 5.5 5 to 3.5. So they come away with the two point edge, which kind of goes along the lines of me saying, I think the Rams are going to win this game on Sunday. So now on to the finale, it's time for keys to the game. (laughs) So what will it take for our beloved to win the game on Sunday against the Rams to come out with uh, an upset? And here's the thing. It would be an upset. I think the Rams are like seven and a half point favorites or something like that to win this game uh, on Sunday. Um, Odds are pretty good. They might actually cover that. Because if you look at it, the Bears are allergic to scoring points against the Rams. Even in the game that we won in 2018, we won 15 to 6. In 2019, I believe it was 17 to 10 or 20 to 10 or something like that. And then last year, the Monday night game in Los Angeles was 24 uh, to 10. So we don't score a lot of points against this Rams team, whether it was Wade Phillips leading the defense or, you know, um, Stanley, uh, Staley, Brandon Staley. Uh, being the coordinator last year uh now it's um oh Raheem Morris is the defensive coordinator uh, out there now he he inherits that uh that world class defense with the world ca- class talent on it. will they be as productive under him as they were under uh you know phillips and and staley uh remains to be seen but, um, you know, what do I think it will take for the Bears to come away with the win here? It's simple. Some of these might sound, you know, like, of, well, of course, that makes sense. But the reasons, it's, it's number one for me, after what we've seen this team do to itself over the last two seasons in twenty nineteen and twenty twenty because we we pretty much avoided this very very well in twenty eighteen, which is why we were as successful as we were winning twelve games and and all that kind of stuff in twenty eighteen we we did not turn the ball over, and we did not we were one of the least penalized teams in the league, so number one is we want to minimize those mistakes it's one thing to get beat it's one thing you know to be playing a better team and they're just better than you. It's another thing entirely to beat yourself. And the Bears in 2019 and last year in 2020 were especially good at beating themselves. Turnovers, untimely penalties. You know, you guys heard me talk about it all the time. We would have a third and eight. We'd come up with the stop. Oh, but wait, there was a holding penalty and, and granted, the yardage isn't enough to get a first down, but the penalty itself is an automatic first. We stay out there on the field and give the offense another chance to uh, stretch out the drive and put some points on the board. The Bears did it over and over again, or the opposite would happen on offense. We'd have a positive play, and then a flag would bring that, bring that penalty back or bring that play back. So it would erase, what, erase the good thing and bring it back. So the Bears have to be, they don't have to be perfect, but they have to be close to it to beat the Rams. The Rams aren't so good that we have to play the perfect game to win. It's just, this is the NFL and winning football games is hard enough without you beating yourself. And the Bears have been especially good at helping their opponents beat them uh, in the last two seasons, which is why we've had these inconsistent eight and eight uh, years. Uh, If we want to avoid losing our seventh opener in eight seasons, the Bears had lost six in a row before we beat the Lions last year, and I think we can all agree we should have lost that game. (laughs) If not for DeAndre Swift and his Butterfingers last year, we would have lost that game. But, um, you know, if we want to avoid a seventh loss in eight, in the last eight openers, then we're going to have to be, we're not going to, we're going to have to, force mistakes instead of making them uh, against the uh, Rams. Number two, we need to hang on to the ball as long as possible. And this is what I was talking about at the beginning of the show uh, is, as far as saying that, uh, you know, one of these keys is something that we haven't seen the Bears do well, and we haven't seen them do it against good teams because we saw the Bears do this on that four-game stretch last year, we scored 30 points a game. David Montgomery's running for like a buck-80 a game against the, the Lions, the Texans, the Vikings, and the Jaguars and things like that. Not very good defenses, but we pounded the ball down their throat in all those football games. Then we get to Green Bay and New Orleans. All of a sudden, we're back to a yard and a half a carry uh, and, and that kind of thing. We're going to have to hang on to the ball as long as possible against the Rams, and that means running the football, keeping the clock running, keeping Stafford and company off of the field because they have the ability to be extremely explosive on the offensive side of the ball, and you don't want to give them those opportunities. Um, You know, we just don't want to, or we want to minimize them as much as humanly possible. And also, another big problem that the Bears had last year was because we couldn't sustain drives, our defense was getting worn out. They just they were they were getting beat up and 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 everything like that. You're, you're playing seventy to eighty plays a game, and your offense is only playing, you know, forty plays a game. You know, of course, the other defense is going to be solid and fresh towards the end of the season, or excuse me, the end of the game, when you're, uh, you know, you're 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 playing double the amount of reps that your opponent is. So, and I know that the Bears struggled in those last six games did not look like a very good defense, but you know, we'll, uh, we'll, like I said, that would also a factor in those games uh, as well. I think maybe it's just at that point of the, the season, the, the amount of plays that our defense had to play throughout the year last year, I think was maybe adding up uh, at the end of the, uh, at the end of the season. So we want to keep our defense fresh. We want to sustain, drives and and even they don't have to end in points that's the other thing uh as well that's that's the best case scenario is to finish up with points but we just don't want to and we saw it again in the preseason was that we don't want to see our offense going out there three and out three and out three and out three and out i mean just look at what like the the miami game look at buffalo with Mitch at quarterback we'd go out we'd go three and out and then you know, Miami would come back with a nine-play drive, then an uh, 11-play drive. Mitch was like seven plays, nine plays, 11 plays, and so on, each one of them ending in a touchdown, which just kind of, you know, drove the point home kind of thing. But then we get the ball back, we're three and out, and we're punting it back right away. We can't do that. We have to be able to hang on to the ball, move the chains, get a couple of first downs, get some time off the clock giving our defense some time to rest recuperate make adjustments and things like that that will give them a better chance of success when they go back out on the field so even if it doesn't end in points we at least got to do something we can't just go out there you know three quick passes and we're punting it back with less than 20 seconds taken off the clock kind of thing we can't do that this year we can't um you know number one it's not a recipe for success number two Our defense isn't getting any younger. You know, these guys can't go out there and play 80, 90 plays and expect to uh, win. We need to get back to the point where the offense is out there more than the defense is, and the defense can protect the lead and and so on uh, and so forth. So um, hanging on to the ball as long as humanly possible, like I said, it's something that we haven't seen the Bears do much of, and we haven't seen them do it against good teams. So the rate of success for this coming Sunday is – Probably not high on that, but it's necessary to get a win against these Rams uh, on Sunday because they will try to run the football and, uh, you know, they will sustain drives and move the chains and things like that and keep our defense out there and take advantage of that at the end of the day. And then finally, this is one you'll probably hear from me a lot until I see otherwise from our team. Uh, but last year especially, we need to have amnesia. We need to have a short short memory because it just seemed like many times last year it, it it seemed as though a mistake no matter how significant no matter how costly would stick with the team you know I was like I, I think back to the Saints game uh, or actually even just think back to the Vikings game the Monday nighter we start the second half Cordell Patterson boom 104 yards back for a touchdown. The Bears take the lead. You see the sideline exploding. Like like this is just the thing. This was the spark. This was just what they needed. And then you know, it just we we make a mistake with when when the Vikings have the football. We 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 turn the ball over. We we can't block uh, on offense and it just kind of suck the air right out of the room. And it just seemed like we never really recovered from that. Same thing. like like I said with the Saints game, we were we were getting some things going against the Saints. And um, what was this? I think it was DeAndre Carter or something like that, the punt returner that we brought in, fumbles the ball or muffs the kick and gives it back to the to, to the Saints. We never really recovered uh, from that. It just seemed like whenever there was some kind of mistake that offset something good that happened. We never—it was just something that just kind of stuck. Like maybe the guys were stuck in "here we go again" mode or anything like that. We need to do a better job of being more mentally strong and shaking off these these mistakes. You know, it's like one play does not a football game make. It's it's you know you have to be, you have to just let it roll off your back and go out there and just you know go out there on the next play and get that play back. You know, we made a mistake on this one. Make sure that you, you, you go ahead and get it back on the, on the next one. Just be mentally tough and have the amnesia that you need to have as a pro football player. Um, don't let these mistakes linger and affect how the rest of the game goes for you. And I think that comes down more to coaching uh, than anything else. Nagy needs to be able to uh, get his guys to mentally bounce back uh, from a mistake you know, maybe not pounded in their head that they screwed up when they come to the sidelines, something, you know, just to uh, kind of uh, uh, encourage a reversal of fortune, you know, like, okay, that's all right, we'll get it on the next one, you know, that kind of thing to, you know, help the team move on from the mistake as opposed to, uh, you know, playing in such a way on this play so that last play doesn't happen again kind of thing. We don't want our guys, because that means you're thinking. That means you're thinking, and thinking in football is bad. Thinking is bad. It's read and react, read and react, read and react. Um, You you know, just want to react to what's happening uh, in front of you. You don't want to do something based on what happened earlier uh, in the football game. That's the coach's job. Let the coaches do the thinking. You just go out there, you read what's happening, you react to it, you make the play. So I would like to see the Bears not get so mentally taken out of the football game if and when there is a mistake, you know, like, I mean, even if it's something just as simple as, uh, you know, here on third and five, the Bears come up with a stop But oh, wait, there was a illegal hands to the face or a holding penalty or something like that that gives the ball back to the defense or to the offense. And the defense has to stay out there. Don't let it mess you up. Don't let it screw up your brain. Forget about it. Work on getting them off the field in these next three plays or hell go out there and make a play and get the football back now. You know, that kind of thing. That's, I think, what I would like to see more from the Bears. And like I said, this is probably one that you'll see on this list until I see otherwise from the team. You could just kind of see it happening over and over. If something happened where we did something good and, oh, there was a holding penalty, so we got to bring that. Day Montgomery ran for 17 yards. Nope, holding penalty. We're bringing that one back. You know, you, you wouldn't see us then rip off a 20-yard play right after that. You know, you would just see, oh, we'll run the ball again, the tackle in the backfield kind of thing. So that's the kind of thing I would like to see us avoid uh, this season. So, I mean, not only is that a key to the game, that's a key to the season because you saw it happen over and over again uh, last year. It's one I would like to see the Bears uh, avoid this season. So there you have it, guys. That is the deep dive preview for week one against the Rams. Sadly, I am picking the Rams to win this game, but don't let that fool you. I will be happy, thrilled, and not surprised if we do win on Sunday. I will be very happy to be wrong about this one, but uh, I'm also a realistic Bears fan, and on paper, I just think we're going, number one, we're on the road. Number two, we're on national TV, not exactly Nagy's specialty. And um, like I said, on paper, I believe the, the Rams have the better football team, so I just think the deck is stacked against us. Uh, I would just really love to see another outstanding football game like the one we watched tonight with the Bucks and the uh, Cowboys. And, um, you know, whether we come out on top or whether we, you know, are looking for our first win against the Bengals next week, I just want it to be a good game. I don't want us to go out there and get our asses handed to us. So anyway, that is going to do it. Come back on Monday for the first Bear Up, Bear Down episode of 2021. Until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been Bears Talk Underground. Hey man.